Hi everyone, my name is PK and here I have Eric Litran. I have to get into that name as well and like where the background of that name came from, but he's just bought two properties, a client of the Property Investment Accelerator, and he's a digital marketer, works in Sydney, he's bought interstate, and in this episode, we're going to be going through like, he actually used buyer's agents, so like his experience with buyer's agents, why he's decided to pivot and do this himself now, he's bought, like I said, two properties and trusts for himself, by himself, and we're going through like how he's valuing properties, how he's beating other buyer's agents now for this property that he bought without overpaying. We'll go through how he bought interstate, just kind of littering this episode with so much advice throughout the process of buying. Uh, I genuinely think you guys will get a bunch of value, especially if you've used buyer's agents before. And so how you can make that jump with confidence to do it yourself. Welcome to the Oz Property Investment Mastery Podcast. My name's PK and I help busy people build passive income by buying top 5% growth and cash flow property and build a portfolio using data without wasting months doing research, spending weekends at inspection or catching flights or dropping ten dollars to $20,000 on buyer's agents every single time. So if you're confused, lack confidence and just overwhelmed with all the information and marketing misinformation available online and don't know where to start, then this show is for you. Thank you so much, Eric, and I really appreciate you uh, volunteering to do this. No worries. Thanks, PK. Good to be here. Um, and so, like, what are you, like, French? Like, where's that name come from, Eric? Eric <laughs> I'm actually a Vietnamese, but, um, yeah, it's actually both my parents' names kind of uh, put, put together. Okay, beautiful. I love it. Um, it's very unique. So you, so just take me through a little bit of your your property background. Um yeah, like where, where, did, where did this all start um, and how how did you get to where you are at the moment? Oh, geez. Uh, I've been investing in property for about eight years now. And it all started when I was like, you know, a graduate uh, working, you know, in the corporate world. And um, during that time, like, I just talked to like some people in the kitchen who I became friends with on the floor. And there was one guy where uh, on a Monday morning, you know, we're just small talk. What'd you get up to on the weekend? And he said he'd been in inspecting houses and he showed me the houses he was inspecting and I was just like well, they, they were beautiful houses by the way and I just and I just made a joke and I said wow I should have uh, I should have become a lawyer because he worked in the legal department <laughs> just as a joke and then he stopped me right there and he said no no Eric this has got nothing to do with my salary as a lawyer the only reason I'm in this position now to be able to afford these types of houses is because I've been investing in property for a very long time and um yeah, and I just said, teach me. <laughs> and from there on, um, from there on he, he's become my mentor and a very good friend. And, um, yeah, and from there I was just like, yeah, teach me everything. Uh, I read books. Uh, I, I went to seminars and then, um, yeah, eventually started buying property for myself. Um, so, yeah, we bought our first property, I think, in 2015. And then since then we've been able to grow our portfolio to what it is today. Amazing. It's, it's funny how like just a small little moment like that can trigger it. Cause obviously like people watch YouTube and stuff and they yeah. see all these ads on Facebook or yeah. whatever. And it's like, seems like trashy advertising, but when you actually yeah. know someone who's like physically done it in front of you and you trust them, it's like, yeah. oh, well, there's something in this, you know? Yeah. And back then there wasn't, there wasn't YouTube and podcasts and everything like that. So um, the only people you could get content from was 
going to a seminar where someone <laughs> is going to sell you an off-the-plan apartment at the end of it. So yeah. it was one guy that I trusted and, I, and I'm very grateful for that. Oh, cool. Um, all right. So you bought that in 2015. So was that an investment property that you bought in 15? Yeah, yeah. I've only ever bought investment properties. So yeah, that first one that was an investment. Right, right. Um, and maybe let's just touch on that. So like why you bought multiple investment properties now, like why have you not bought your principal place of residence? Sorry if it's as a personal question. I'm just curious. No, no, no. That's all good. Um, yeah. So one of the things that my uh, mentor had taught me was the the concept of rent vesting. Mm-hmm. Um, the suburbs that my wife and I wanted to live in in Sydney were very expensive uh, and at the time, our salaries just couldn't afford to buy those types of properties in the types of suburbs that we wanted to live in. But we did have affordability for investment properties, so we decided to do that. And then we decided to live in the suburbs that we wanted. We decided to rent in the suburbs that we wanted to live in. And that just became um, like the strategy for us where we would just accumulate our portfolio. And then once we've done accumulating, um, the plan is to buy our principal place of residence after that. Right, right. Okay, awesome. That was, you were doing rent vesting before it was like a thing, so to speak. Um, yeah, we're still doing it now as well. And I think it's it, it, it does, it has its pros and cons, but for us, um, we've been lucky in that we've been able to, you know, act like back then we were just married, it was just two of us, but now we, you know, ha- have kids and we've been able to kind of just, end the lease and then move into something bigger and do that as we as we go as opposed to buying a house and being kind of locked in into that house yeah. um with, with the mortgage and everything like that yeah the flexibility is like it's both a pro and con i guess it's yeah. how you perceive it but yeah if you, you're having more kids you just upgraded there's no stamp duty or anything it's very yeah yeah and, and it's also cheaper cash flow wise as well to to rent first yeah, no, for sure. Um, okay, so what what did you, what was your next property purchase after that 2015 one? Yeah, the next one was our was our first purchase in Brisbane. So okay. we, yeah, we bought in the suburb of Redcliffe, uh, and that one we used a, a buyer's agent. Yeah, yeah, and they advised that that was a good good suburb to live in uh, to invest in. Yeah, Redcliffe. What year was that? 2016 I think yeah the end of 2016 yeah all right so do you and and I have nothing against this buyer's agent but do you think um it was a good investment or in hindsight would you have bought maybe in a different location in 2016 to be honest I I thought it was a really good purchase and we bought it for about 402,000 and uh, that property has been one of our highest performing in our portfolio where it's um yeah, we've been able to extract equity maybe about three times to buy three extra properties on the back of that. So today it's worth about seven hundred and sixty. Yeah. Um. So in the space of like five or six years, yeah, it's grown by that much, and yeah, it's just been a, a yeah one that just every two years we're able to pull out a hundred or hundred fifty k equity to buy more. Brilliant. That that's good to hear. That's genuinely good to hear. Brisbane has been like a sleepy giant until about mm. 2019, 20, and then it just like paid all the dividends, you know, for anyone who is patient. So Yeah, yeah. I'm glad I got in. I'm glad I got into Brisbane at that time. Yeah, hundred percent. I wish I got in earlier. But yeah, I wish I bought my first one in, in Brisbane, to be honest. Yeah. But I I bought in uh Western Sydney. Yeah. Okay. Which- 
In 2015, that's not such a bad idea though, because like back in 2015, you were still, you probably still rode another couple of years of that Sydney boom in Western Sydney. Uh, it, yes, yes, but the, the the big mistake we made and the biggest learning that that has come out of that was we bought an apartment. Oh, okay. And, right. and yeah, we really wanted to buy a house in the suburb of Blacktown, and at the time, all the data was pointing towards Blacktown. Mm-hmm. But uh, and we we were inspecting properties every week for about i don't know six months and we knew the blacktown market quite well but by the time we got our finances ready we were priced out um so then it was just like okay well we're out of we're priced out of houses but we can afford an apartment we got in but then um yeah after that there's been a lot of development in blacktown with apartments and and the the increase in supply has kept the value of our blacktown property quite low Yeah, I'm sorry to hear that, but of course that's a great learning for for everyone. Like apartments, they can sometimes work, but it's like less than 1% of the time they're actually a worthwhile investment. So are you going to sell that one at some point or is it like... I think we're going to sell it um, soon, yeah, because I I contemplated selling it this year, but I've decided to hold on to it for a little longer because, one, I'm not buying um, for the time being. Yeah. And um, there's still a bit of potential for the market to pick up a little bit in the next 12 months. And I've always said that uh, if that property ever becomes a blocker for me purchasing my portfolio, then then I'll get rid of it. So that may happen in the next um, year or two. Yeah, that's a really good way to think about it. Don't just like make a rash decision and sell it. It's like only when you need those funds and need to reallocate those resources, that's when you sell it. Um, Exactly. Good stuff. And so... The Redcliffe one, uh, what did you do next? Um, so after that, my wife and I, we went, we went, we just went traveling. Oh, nice. <laughs> uh, yeah, spent a year traveling. So we didn't focus on uh, property at all. And then uh, when we got back from, from travels, um, the portfolio had grown by, I think maybe about 200, 200K, just on the back of that Redcliffe property mm-hmm. and a little bit of equity in, in Blacktown. So yeah, we pulled the equity out in 2020 just before COVID hit. Okay. And uh, we used that equity to buy two more properties in Brisbane. Right, right. And those two were bought like in that 2020 period or 2021 period? We bought two we, we bought two properties in 2020 during COVID when um everyone was saying don't do it. Yeah, yeah. how did you do that? Like why did you not listen to everyone? I just knew that I just didn't believe what the media was saying. They were saying that, you know, it's going to crash, people uh, aren't earning income and they're going to have to fire sell their properties. And I was just like, let it happen. If they fire sell their properties, I'll buy it. Um, (laughs) But either way, I I just felt that property was a safe um, end game. And regardless, it's a case of, you know, property prices go up, down, and, you know, sometimes they remain flat. And I just felt that that was a good time to get in, especially when everyone was so fearful. Mm Um, and the other thing was my wife was pregnant at the time with our first child. So I just thought, no, I'm, <laughs> we're buying these properties. <laughs> well, we've got serviceability. I don't, I don't, you know, I don't, I don't care. Like, I don't care what anyone says. We're getting these properties now. And when when baby arrives, we'll take a break. Yeah, that's that's so cool. That That's amazing. I love to hear the mindset because, yeah, peop- the world was literally in crisis mode at that time. But anyone who bought properties in 2020, you know, like people say, oh, you got lucky because all the fiscal stimulus. I mean, luck is always there, but you made your own luck. You actually, 
you know, you you hit the gas, like you actually did something. You weren't just a sideline commentator. So yeah, you you deserve all that equity. So obviously they probably both up fifty percent, sixty percent, something like that. The those two properties I bought that year, yeah, they um, second one I bought for four hundred and eighty. That has grown quite well. I think that's worth about eight hundred now. Right. Yeah, 800 or 820. So that's done really well. I've been able to pull equity out of that a couple of times and, and buy a, a few more. And then the property number four, that one we bought for 365. Mm-hmm. And that's worth about, it went as high as 600. Yeah. And because Brisbane's going through a bit of a correction now, it's kind of come back to about 575, 80. Right. Which suburbs are those in, if you don't mind sharing? Yeah, number three was in Margate. Yep. So just next to Redcliffe. Yep. And then number four was in Regent's Park in Brisbane. Yep. Yeah, more on the south side. Okay. And so, like, um, why did you – sorry, this is not scripted. i just, like, curious. Yeah. Like, why did you buy so close to Redcliffe? Because you already had one there. Like, from a diversification perspective, did you think about buying further out or somewhere else or were you just so convinced on that location? I felt it was still a good area and it was still a little bit undervalued. And uh, I like the idea of buying in, in beachside suburbs as well. So um, th- there were other uh, options as well, like I think Petrie, Kalanga, Strathpine mm-hmm. uh, that I'd considered. But um, I, I, for some reason, I just really liked the idea of buying close to the beach. Yeah, sure. And, but- yeah, and, and I think oh, I think it's performed pretty well. Yeah, yeah. yeah it, uh, well, I mean, we were buying around that time in some of those areas like you mentioned okay. Strathpine, etc yeah. but they've all basically you know they've all done really well um nonetheless and yeah. okay so you've got these additional two so you've now got four properties under your belt um what happened next yeah after that uh what happened uh we, i think we took a year off because we, we we had our first child so you know all the focus was, was on that and then uh, after a year, or almost a year, my, my, my wife went back to work and, you know, serviceability comes back. So straight away I called my mortgage broker and I said, all right, what can we do? Can we, <laughs> can we go again? And he's like, all right, let, let, let's do it. So, yeah. um, and at that point, what was it, 2022? So we'd already had that COVID, post-COVID boom where everyone was just kind of rushing back into the market and yeah. fighting for property in Brisbane and, and, and I guess across Australia as well. Um, so our portfolio had just grown massively as well. So I think we had like, we were able to pull out maybe about 200K of equity mm-hmm. thereabouts. And what did we do? Um, we decided to go again and, and that's when, um, yeah, we... Yeah, we basically, I was contemplating, this is where I started to think about Perth um, and um, I was kind of contemplating whether I should do it myself or go with a buyer's agent again. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, and, and I'd also come across your content as well in about 2020 and I'd been watching your stuff throughout 2021 and, and I was like, you know, just been on the fence, you know, should I do PK's course and, you know, do, do it myself? But um, I didn't trust myself, actually. I didn't think I was ready. So then I just um, I went with a, a buyer's agent. So uh, this time I'd chosen a, a different buyer's agent who I'd been following um, for quite some time who you know, had a really good reputation. I thought, yeah, 
he, he's the one, he, he's going to help me. Like, I didn't trust myself and I was like, I'll trust him, he's going to do it for me and then after that I'll do it myself. I'll, I'll, I'll learn how to do it myself. Yeah. yeah. And, and so how was that experience then? Um, it was okay. I, I mean, the end outcome was we, we did find a good property in a good suburb, but it wasn't exactly what I expected and what I was used to in, in, in a buyer's agent experience. It was just very quick and it was almost like, you know, don't call me, I'll, I'll call you. And uh, one day I get a call and it's basically, yeah, I found the property. This is, this is it. Um, this is why you should buy it. And, um, yeah, his paperwork. So I just thought, okay, well, right if, if that's how it is, then yeah, all right, I, I trust you. Um, and uh, yeah, I signed it and and, and we bought in, in, in that area. Yeah, that he suggested. Yeah. Sure, sure. Um, and so do you, want, do you mind sharing what area that was and when you bought that? Yeah, yeah, that was in Alexandra Hills in uh, in Brisbane again. again. Yeah, so, and and again, like, at that time, Perth was on my radar and I was thinking, oh, you know, should we go to Perth? Like I'm hearing a lot of, you know, I'm hearing a lot of data pointing towards Perth and and I hear it starting to heat up. But he, he had said, no, nah, I think Brisbane's still good and, and Perth maybe maybe next year. Yeah. So, yeah, so, again, I, I trusted him. We went with Brisbane and Alexandra Hills. Um, in, in hindsight, I probably should have trusted my own gut and, and went with Perth. Because um, that that place we bought in Alexandra Hills is, it hasn't really grown in value. Um, it, it, we bought it for six eighty in at the beginning of twenty twenty, and uh, to this day it's still worth about six eighty because Brisbane had already peaked um, so much, and then twenty twenty two you bought that right? Yeah, and then interest rates started to, you know, go skyrocket, and then. Yeah, like all the heat in the Brisbane market that just, that just kind of came yeah. out, and, and then my property just like flatlined um, until now. I mean, I think it's starting to grow now, but um, and I think it'll still do well in the long term. But um, yeah, I, I do, I do have a few regrets about buying that one because had I bought, had I trusted my gut and bought in Perth at that time, I'd probably have an extra hundred grand in equity that that I could use to buy another property. So yeah, um, yeah, big learning. And you know, after doing your course, I actually went back and looked at the data for that suburb and realized that, you know, if I'd applied what I learned from your course, I would have ruled that suburb out at the time that we were buying it. Yeah. I mean some buyers agents are, are good, <laughs> some are not so good. Um so I think you know you've had a variety of experience. I, I just want to pick up on something that that uh, you mentioned before. Before using this last buyer's agent, you said you didn't trust yourself, um, and I and I hear this a lot from people who have never used buyer's agents. Some people who have used buyer's agents, you know, when it comes to doing it themselves DIY, they're like, oh, I don't really want to use a buyer's agent, but I don't trust myself or I don't even know who a buyer's agent is but I need help because I don't trust yourself myself yeah. what yeah. like what do you mean by that just to kind of unpack it what part of the property buying process did you not trust yourself with or like what what specifically was it I think the biggest one was choosing the right market to to get into and uh, because I felt that our property portfolio was at a very pivotal point where like we were on 
four properties at the time and and I was saying to my wife like I really want this next one to be like you know like a game changer that where we just go into like fourth gear or fifth gear now. yeah yeah like really wanted to shift the gears and go to another level and I just thought geez like am I really going to be able to find that type of property myself like you know but by doing like PK's course or you know is is it going to take time for me to really hit my straps and, and get there and, and I was kind of thinking oh maybe I'll just hire um who, who I felt was you know the best um at, at the time to to get me there so that's why I yeah, I just thought okay I'm good you know this one is a pivotal uh, is a pivotal pivotal um property in in our portfolio I'm going to hire someone else so that's that's why I did it yeah and of course we don't live with regrets in life and everything is a learning but honest honest question you can say no um but like do you f- do you feel that if you had trusted yourself just a bit more at that time and let's say did the course that you would be in a different scenario fast forward another one or two years I do yeah yeah because like straight up if if I if I had trusted myself I would have had the data to back up my hunch that Perth was was the place to go with and had I bought myself something there even if it was an average property and not a slam dunk i'd still have more equity than than i do now mm-hmm. and i'd probably have an extra i'd probably have another property in my portfolio right now yeah and and probably it would be much higher yield as well because alexander hills at, at that point in the cycle was probably yielding i don't know four percent or yeah like yeah it's around four percent or maybe low fives but because interest rates were so low and we got a fixed rate, it, it, you know, we, we still get positive cash flow. So, right. you know, it, it, it's good, happy days, you know, but a lot of properties back in uh, at that time with those interest rates were heavily positive cash flow. Yeah. Sure, sure. Awesome. Um, okay. So, and then you bought these like next two properties, obviously using the course. Um, yep. What was that process like? Like, did you find that, oh man, like I did, I use buyers agents. That was a breeze, and now I have to do all the work, and it's like it's stressful. It's hard, or like what was your like? Tell me honestly, was it? Um, how did you find it? How would, how was that process of just doing it yourself? Uh, firstly, when I did your course and I'd taken in the content and learned how to research, um, you know, the markets and and yeah, the the ins and outs. Uh, like my mind was blown and I just felt really empowered and really excited to get into it. You know, I've got to take time out of work to call up agents and, you know, negotiate deals or even research um, to, to find deals in in um, the markets that I wanted to buy in. And to make things a little bit harder, um, I think listings were, were, were lower as well at the time uh, because interest rates were going up. So, yeah, look, I mean, um, I still felt really great that I was able to do the course and learn a lot more, but you definitely do need to put in the work um, to find those properties for yourself. For, for but um, I'm really glad I did it. Awesome. Awesome. And, um, and so like, you know, you, you're sitting there in Sydney, you obviously have a full-time job and, you know, kids and things like that. And you're buying in Perth. Um, take me through the process of, like identifying deals and then like doing your due diligence on them without catching a flight. How, how did you do that process? 
Yeah, for me, it was like, obviously, we start by looking at the data and, and just seeing where the trends are, are going. And, and then from there, like, I come up with, like, a short list of suburbs that I that, that I'm really, like, interested in. Mm-hmm. Um, from there, I, I then spoke to local property managers in Perth uh, about those suburbs, and they were able to tell me, yeah, this is a good suburb. These are the types of demographics that live there. Uh, those suburbs may be a little bit dodgy. The demographics there, you know, you may have some tenant troubles or, you know, whatnot. Uh, and then I was able to kind of form a picture of what those suburbs would kind of bring in terms of tenant quality. Tenant quality is something that I'm very big on as well. Like I'm, I, I think of myself as a very conservative or risk averse um, investor. Uh, like I try to choose the more, um, I guess, what's the right word to do it? Um, more affluent suburbs, if possible, or mm. I guess suburbs where we don't have as many lower socioeconomic um, um, people in there that mm. may have um, issues with rent payments or um, caring for the property. So um, the, the, that was pretty big in, in my mind because I've had properties with, you know, tenant issues and, and I just don't want those headaches. So I try to uh, look for those types of suburbs for myself. So uh, I then, so data first, I then verify the, the types of suburbs with our property managers. And then um, I, I try to understand, you know, in this suburb, what types of houses are the demographic uh, are looking for? Do they prefer three bedders, four bedders? Um, you know, is a car spot or a lock-up garage really important? And then I kind of narrow it down to the types of property, um, types of property that you know that would align to the demographic. And then I look for those. Um, I also try to make sure that there's not a lot of vacant land um, surrounding those suburbs, so that there's no supply risk in the future. And that was a big learning from my first property. You know, it was an apartment, but it was a supply um, issue that you know. Yes stunted the growth of that one so uh, I'm very big on supply risk as well so um, th- those are just a handful of um, factors that I look at off the top of my head but obviously there's a lot more that you yeah. take the course in, in my checklist that, that I do go through but I can't think of them off the top of no my head. no problem no problem that that's a it's a good sort of way I'm just trying to get a gauge you know of how you're going about it because I think people can try emulate that you know whether they want to do the course or not that point that you made around supply, you know, there's obviously ways to quantify it, but it's such an easy way is just to go on Google Maps, right? And satellite yeah. view and just see how much land there is around it. Of course, you have to understand the zoning just because there's land doesn't mean it's bad. But, you know, that's exactly. a, it's a really good point in the right direction. And you actually bought both of these properties in Perth through trust. Um, obviously, this is like a legal structure in which to buy real estate. Why, if you don't mind me asking, like, why did you... I don't know if they always bought in trust. Like, why did you choose to do these two in trust? Yeah, it's because we had bought the first four in our personal names. And at that point, um, you know, with the guidance of my mortgage broker, he had advised that I'm getting very close to being maxed out. Mm-hmm. And if I want to grow my portfolio, um, you know, it would be quite challenging. So um, I did a lot of research into ways that I could kind of maximize my borrowing power and the idea of buying in a trust had come up where you can, you know, 
buy the property in a trust but still be the guarantor for it. Mm-hmm. And with some lenders, they will not count the debt in the trust to your personal name if you want to continue borrowing and building your portfolio. Right. So that, of course, um, not qualified to give advice yeah, on it. Of course, nor am I. <laughs> but, um, that was an idea that had come up and I'd had spoken with my accountant uh, about it. I'd spoken with a lot of mortgage brokers who were very savvy on, on the topic of buying in trust and, and how it helps people build bigger portfolios. And my wife and I made the decision that we would start buying um, in a trust. And uh, that helped us get from, you know, four properties or five properties to, you know, seven and potentially eight as well. Otherwise, we would have been maxed out on about four or five. Right, right. So you got seven properties at this stage um, and you only have been able to get there because the last two have been through a trust structure. That's really good. Of course, everyone should, you know, seek proper advice through their accountant, et cetera. But that's a really good tip as well on how to keep going, provided the circumstances are right, um, even after you've maxed out on your own personal name. Because, yeah, that's obviously the question. It's like, hey, how's this guy getting seven properties? You know, it's like, well, there's, there's ways to do it. And I, it seems to me that you haven't rested on your laurels. Like you've always been searching for the right professionals, like mortgage broker here, accountant there to kind of really eke out what's possible. And I think, you know, where there's a will, there's a way and, and uh, you know, property investors, there's no like um, red carpet for you to just become wealthy. You have to figure it out yourself. No one's going to do it for you. Yeah. Uh, so congratulations on that. Um, and, and let's say like for the future, you said you might be able to borrow for one more property. Like what are your goals in real estate in terms of buying properties for yourself in the next five to 10 years? Yeah, so um, during your course, we were able to kind of map out what our goals were and how many properties we needed to um, purchase as investments to achieve our passive income goal. So um, for us, that number is sitting around 10 investment properties. So um, for now, my, my goal is to try and get to th- those 10 as, as soon as possible and then um you know, hold them for for a period of time as we consolidate the portfolio, and then um, and then you know, as as the portfolio continues to grow, we'll then sell off a couple to pay off the rest of the portfolio and possibly own about five or six properties outright, and then live off the rent of that. So that is the long term goal. But then, um, of course, we we do want to find a way to buy our dream home uh, in the somewhere so maybe we'll get to 10 and then buy and then look at um you know buying a principal place uh, and then yeah go from there yeah that that's classic strategy of course that's part of what i teach in the course but you don't need to do the course to understand that mo- most people get wealthy in, in australian real estate by accruing or acquiring assets the more you have the better it is as long as they're good quality and then just selling off, uh, you know, a few of them when you want to retire debt because you don't want to retire with debt. And then using the profits after paying tax, of course, to pay yeah. off the others. And there you that's when it's a hockey stick for your passive income. Yeah. And it's not rocket science, but it, it just works really well. Yeah, and I'm a big fan of that strategy because I find that it is a safe strategy as well. There's a lot of there's a lot of um strategies in real estate you know you can flip you can knock down and rebuild you can uh yeah so, so many right 
Uh, but I just find that is a, as a classic strategy, it's simple, it's easy to understand. It doesn't require a lot of involvement. You can mm. do it as an interstate investor. The only, the most important thing you've got to do is just make sure you buy the right asset in the right area that will give you that growth. And um, yeah, I'm a big fan of that strategy. Yeah, as am I. <laughs> um, I just want to dive into one one thing actually before we we come co- close to a close. Um, this this one that you bought south, uh, north of the river in Perth. Uh, I remember you you sending me this email, or I think it was over what's a uh, Facebook Messenger or something. You said that you actually beat a buyer's agent. Um, so obviously, you know, this is a really good suburb. There's buyer's agents, you know, kind of hunting around there as well. Um, you beat the other buyer's agent, but not going over the true valuation of the property. So I thought you might be able to give us some like tips um, on how to like value a property. Cause I feel that a lot of people in a hot market, they have this FOMO and they're like, oh my God, it's really hard to get a property. The agent's not calling me back. I need to just pay so much. And not, uh, certainly like not good buyer's agents, um, but a lot of these national buyer's agents, a lot of these big name buyer's agents who churn and burn through their clients because they're just wait, making far too much money off the clients. They need to give properties ASAP. The way that they get that done is just they pay more than what it's truly worth. So I'm not saying this is the what happened when you beat the other buyer's agent, but how how did you truly understand the value of that property and then were successful in in, in securing it? Um. Well, firstly, I knew kind of what the comparable sales were in uh, that suburb. I knew that you know within a suburb there are good pockets, there are less than desirable pockets. So this particular property was in, you know, one of the best pockets in the suburb that was high demand. So I knew that properties there were worth a little bit more than than the rest. Um, and then at the same time, I did a lot of analysis where I, I found a lot of comparable sales of um, similar properties within a very small radius of that street, so in the same pocket. And a lot of them had kind of sold for a lot more than what I paid for. Um, so I, I was able to like establish that, okay, this property is not as good as this one, but it's better than this one. It kind of sits in the middle. And, and I'd been like, okay, well, therefore my range to, you know, make an offer on this property will be in that range. Um, with, with my property manager who inspected the property, she told me that a lot of people went to the open home and, and were interested. So that was able to get, and she was able to gauge that. It was quite competitive and, and I could see that as well. So I thought, okay, all right, I, I'm, I don't want to overpay for this, but I also know that it's super, super competitive. And I thought, okay, what what can I do? Um, so there were things like I, I just improved my terms, like, you know, I was quite confident with my finance. So I had a shorter finance clause. Um, uh, I knew that the um, – I knew that the sellers were – migrating overseas so they were just keen to you know sell the property by a certain time and move out so i'd gotten that information by you know talking to the agent and i was able to factor those things into my offer to make it as easy for the easy for the seller as possible and you know and i thought like this is my price i'm not going to overpay for it but i will put in a strong offer but to make it even better for the sellers, I'm going to offer these things like, um, you know, you tell me the exact settlement date you want, 
that's the date I'll, I'll do it for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, um, yeah, I'll make my finance calls a lot shorter just to show you that I'm not going to muck around with that either and, and building a pest as well. Uh, I was quite confident with the building and pest because my property manager had said that um, the property looks in perfect condition. With the naked eye, she couldn't see anything visible that would cause concerns for building and pest. So I was able to shorten my building pest calls as well just to let the agent know that I wasn't mucking around. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other thing that he would said, um, you know, when, when he told me that I'd, I'd beaten another agent was I was just very responsive. Um, he, you know, it was bet- between me and that agent, but when the he was, agent. Yeah, the other buyer's agent, when he was calling the, the other agent, um, couldn't get a hold of him and he asked him for, you know, follow-up information. Can you update this um, info in your contract? Uh, it could be, you know, I need the the, the other seller's email address. Um, he just couldn't get a hold of him, but I had my phone close to me and he was, the agent was calling. As soon as I put my offer in, the agent was calling me like every five minutes saying, okay, you're buying through a trust. Um, what's your, I don't know, like ACN number that through the company? Right. Trust and I said, all right, here it is straight away. So as soon as he called me, I was always giving him the information that he needed. And he just said that the way that I dealt with him was really professional, really efficient. And he really um, liked doing that deal with me because I made it seamless for him and his sellers. And uh, the funny thing is, since then, I've built a really good relationship with him. And then he started giving me um, off-market properties for my own clients when I'm buying for them. So Beautiful, beautiful. Just, they just want to do business with people who are efficient and, and um, easy to deal with. Yeah. No, I picked up on a few points. I just want to highlight, it's so great of you to share how important the property manager was for you and not in terms of just inspecting it, but also because this was like the best pocket of that suburb. So you you understood that using data, but then you verified that using qualitative on the ground um, research by by the property manager. They're able to get that building and pest inspection done quicker or to- tell you to do it quicker um, because of what, they, what the information and insights they gave. So it's just so crucial to, to have that. And then you were just a nice guy, like a nice professional guy. So any anyone who's out there trying to buy properties for themselves or any buyer's agent um, watching or listening and like, you know, I, I know that there's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of buyer's agents who watch my content. Thank you. Weirdly enough, um, you know, please do that because, you know, if you have clients like Eric, um, then you'll actually get them a property. Please be professional. Please be quick, you know, to respond to sales agents because that's really Sales agents have all the have all the cards, you know, in a hot market. You got to really please them. You got to appease them, um, but at the same time, get what you want. So it's a bit of a an art. Anyone can learn it, like you did. And I like that you referred to it at the end because I'm actually really proud of of all of the students that actually become buyers agents because I know that they're good buyers agents. They have ethics because I'm big on ethics in my course. And also they actually know property investing right down to like the minuscule detail um, because you've done the course. And and um, yeah, I'm just not generally a big fan of these big churn and burn buyers agents that you hear on podcasts and and um, I don't know, on articles, but I won't rant about that. Um, what was like the process like or what what impelled you to become a buyer's agent? Because you've used them before, Eric, you've done the course, and now you have the knowledge. Um, you've actually applied the knowledge, bought two properties by yourself. And then like, what gave you the confidence? Or what? How, why were you audacious enough to want to help others do it? 
Yeah, to be honest, it's something that I'd been thinking about for a really long time. And it was when I was building my portfolio in the early days of working with um, my first buyer's agent. Um, I, I really enjoyed the process that they took me through in um, educating me on what they look for in a deal. And I understood, uh, I started to learn about how they would negotiate deals. And, and, and I was really... Um, I guess, taken on that journey of buying my property, only that I didn't do it, they were doing it for me as my buyer's agent. So I learned a lot through that and I was really inspired. And it goes without saying I'm very passionate about property and I started thinking about do- doing it as well. So, yeah, over time I-, I just learned a lot and I really wanted to do it. And then um, when I finally decided that, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to do it, I-, I took experiences from uh, buyers agents that I'd worked with and, and I thought to myself like, I, like yeah I thought to myself I think I can do this better mm. and there are there are other parts that I thought no I don't want to do it that way and when I did your course and I learned a lot and you know coming out of it I felt very empowered and educated um, I, I thought okay if I'm going to be a buyers agent then I want my clients to feel that level of empowerment and education when they work with me, especially yeah. if they don't have the time to go and search for a property for themselves. Then if I can do that for them, I want them to feel, come out of it feeling really educated, knowing exactly why we bought in a particular um, suburb, knowing why we bought a particular house, and then um, I want them to know exactly like the process that I went through to negotiate that deal for them so that, you know, if they're at a barbecue and people are asking, oh, why'd you buy there? They know exactly why, why they did that. And, and that's kind of the experience that I wanted for my clients. Um, and, yeah, it's just because I'm just really passionate about it. And I had people asking me uh, for, for property advice over the years and I always was so passionate about giving advice to, to help them get started with property investing. But I didn't, there was just that one thing that was missing and that was, you know, being able to go out and get the deals for them. But I mean, yeah, after buying those properties for myself, I, I felt very confident that I knew what I was doing. And since then I've bought um, a few for my clients and I'm really happy about those deals as well. Yeah. yeah no, good on you. I'm, I'm really proud of it. Um, People often think that I'm against buyers agents and and I am against most buyers agents because most buyers agents are crap. And those of you who are crap, you you won't realize you're crap and you won't appreciate me saying this. But I am really for good boutique, small, high customer care buyers agents. Um, they actually look at data, not just the dinosaurs or boomers in the industry. And so it's great that I've been able to be a part of of your journey as well, as well as many, many others, um, I think more than 70 or 80 now. And it's a, it's a really cool thing to be kind of the, you know, play a, a contributing factor in, in what hopefully becomes like a really successful career. Um, yeah. And, I, and if I could just jump in, the, the point that you made was using data. Um, I had a look at a lot of buyers agents in the industry and, and the suburbs that they were buying in. And I noticed that a lot of them weren't using data to choose the suburbs that they were recommending to their clients. And, and that was something that I thought, oh, geez, if, if I can do this for my clients, then then that's already like, like a, I think that already puts me above a lot of them, right? So, yeah, yeah. 
yeah. doesn't matter how many years of experience they have if they're not using data then all their experience is worth nothing because you can negotiate ten thousand dollars off a deal in a property in a suburb that you shouldn't be buying in the first place so what's the point of that yeah um, so yeah. no you're ab- absolutely right and um and last question um eric for, for anyone sorry i have to ask this question but anyone who's on the fence of doing the course whether they're brand new to investing or um you know have used buyers agents like you but actually want to build the confidence and skill set to do it themselves they don't they, they actually have time all right so if you don't have any time like you don't even have three yeah. hours a week please use someone like eric don't go to the big buyers agents that here's ever got great marketing go to someone like eric but let's assume they have, you know, at least three to five hours a week over a couple of months to buy a property. They're on the fence of doing the course. Maybe they don't trust themselves like you didn't at one point. What would be your advice to them? My advice is if you do have the time to do the course, then I do think it's it's a really good course and you will learn a lot from it. But um, I always say to people when they ask me about my experience is that, yes, you do have to put in the work. But if you do put in the work, then it, it can be very, very rewarding. And you know what? Like some people are, are not ready. And if they're not ready to do the course, then my suggestion is to just get educated as much as you can, um, whether it's watching your content, PK, or um, other content um, on, on the web, uh, and get as educated as possible so that, you know, if you're not going to do the course, at least you know what not to do. Um, but I think, yeah, if they're, if they're not sure, if they're sitting on the fence, my suggestion is just, um, you know, keep watching PK's content <laughs> um, and, um, you know, uh, just build build trust. Like, it, like, And that's what I did. I, I was on the fence for quite a long time. I'd followed your content and I, and I realised that you offered a lot of really valuable free content. And um, for me, that gave me the confidence that um, if I did the course, then... Um, it would be valuable. But, yeah, in my experience, I can say that it was definitely very valuable to do it. And, um, yeah, I've gained a lot of confidence from it. Awesome. Thank you, man. And, yeah, I mean, sometimes education is expensive, but sometimes not having education is even more expensive. So um, you have to, uh, have yes, to think about that. Yes, <laughs> uh, I was going to say, um, yes, I, I think it's worth it because once you do learn um, to find your own deals um, and once you do feel empowered, then, the course pays for itself. Yeah, that, that's what I think. Yeah. Cool. All right. Well, thank you so much, um, Eric, for for coming on. I like the um, the sweater there. You've got your branding on point. So uh, you know that that's really cool. I will tag Eric um, as well in the Facebook group. Um, and so if you want to have a chat with him, this is not like about becoming a client, but he's just a nice yeah. guy. You know, you can just chat with him, whether it's about the experience of the course or maybe he will just give you advice anyway. Um, but yeah, thank you so much. And I'm, I'm really happy with how your journey's been. And on, obviously, we'll stay in touch. No worries. Thanks, PK. Have a good one, mate. Thanks everyone for listening. There's more than a hundred of these client interviews now. And like I always say at the end of these episodes, I really don't care if you do the course or not. It's kind of inconsequential to me now. They'll serve to educate and inspire you. And that's really what's lacking in this industry, just truth, like just honesty. And so go do listen to them and then please take action with or without me, with or without Eric take action. You know, that That's what he did in 2020 when the world was falling over. He took action and that's, you know, he's where he is because of that. I'll see you next time. See you guys. 